fixated on the big screen. With the temperature that would maim me. We're off to the shops, Grant. Joey was our family friend. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Is that how we, how we begin now? Hello, welcome to a lovely word. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? I'm great. How are you, Alex? <laughs> Good. Um, you know, it's a fairly overcast, weird weathered Liverpool Monday evening when we'd normally be having a lovely word in previous months. But this time we had bolognese. Yes, bolognese and linguine. Linguine, although apparently it's just a roux. <laughs> <laughs> if you're from uh, the Italy. Italy. Um, and then we uh, sat around and talked about uh, the new telly show Years and Years um, and also about Trump. And uh, Black Mirror. And Black Mirror, uh, all the things that people like to talk about. Um, these these are universal topics, I imagine. Universal truths. Universal truths. Um, Everybody sits down at night, eats dinner, and watches the television. With Trump, the Simpsons. With Trump, I, I the image of him next to the Queen. He just looks so out of place. He looks so bizarre. As I couldn't get over it, he's quite a fat man, isn't he? You know how people like look at the Queen and be like, "Oh, she's a reptile." I feel like that's more like you look at Donald Trump and you be like, "He's like an old sponge from the sink." it's gone a bit discoloured because something's grown on it do you think that the queen is a reptile Uh, no I don't think the queen's a reptile can we also just say that officially our view is that the queen is not a reptile I'm not her biggest fan but I don't think she's a reptile (laughs) a lot of people are very keen on Harry because he stayed away from Trump and didn't even engage with him Um, Trump seemed utterly enamoured by the royal family when you think that the queen was unelected and she's not that despicable people don't hate the queen people yeah. quite love the queen but our trump was elected and, and everyone hates him <laughs> and everyone super hates him so maybe we are you saying we need to have more unelected people no i don't agree with unelected sponges unelected, but... <laughs> unelected sponges or elected sponges okay but what did was there anyone responding to this poetically because i feel we have to bring it on track to the oh to yeah the uh, so Trump became a bit of a theme through the night I think people in Liverpool were particularly perturbed by yeah. his visit to the UK and there was a lot of swearing involved yeah, in the descriptions of him yeah so especially because it, it it fell around um, you know events remembrate remembrance days and, and 75 years since yeah. D-Day yeah that, that's why he came to speak with the Queen yeah, I heard it on Radio Four. Well, they have... must be true. <laughs> well, I think that's why it was so pertinent to a few of like what's lovely about a lovely word is that it's intergenerational, and there were some older people there who had relatives who mentioned how much it had affected them the fact that he was capitalising on this visit because their relatives had been in the D-Day landings or had been part of uh, armed conflict, and they really had an issue of somebody who, in their words, had avoided the draft. Mm. Draft dodgers. Yeah. That's what they call Trump. Yeah, yeah, draft dodger. Draft dodger. Yeah, wow. so. Jamie Spodger. Yeah. Anyway, poetry news. So, Simon Armitage, he became the new poet laureate. Are we happy about that? Uh, I think it's probably well deserved. He's been working as a poet for a long time, doing lots of. GCSE anthologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, d- I remember when he walked across um, d- um, from west to east or east to west 
across the north. the troubadour thing that he was doing. Oh, wait, was it? And he thought sort of he could survive just by reading his poems. Yeah. That was quite a cool idea. I think he has some really good ideas about poetry as well. Like, I remember him saying one time something like, um, I would never use words that my family and friends can't understand. And actually that really influences the way that I write poetry because I think I don't always want to put stuff in there that is overly verbose or hard to understand. That's lovely, actually. Yeah. yeah. I never feel he has been part of a highbrow movement, but he is part of a poetry kind of um, establishment now, probably, yeah. even though he doesn't, he didn't come from that. Um, certainly, that's what happens, isn't it? People have to become part of the establishment if they've. Because then they get commissioned by. Yeah, and then they are that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now on to one of our favourite parts of doing the whole podcast, which is listening to poems from the A Lovely Word Open Mic Night. This week we have. Richie, who did an amazing poem which had loads of like fantasy references in, it was very well thought out and I really enjoyed that because I like those kind of things. Um, and then we also had Kim who did a really lovely poem about uh, her nan and uh, about memory loss in older people and how that can affect them and it's really really sweet poem and we've also got al peters who actually has been on the podcast before but we decided to include him again because that whole theme about donald trump and the d-day kind of landings thing was he was really evocative when he was speaking about it and it obviously meant a lot to him and it had family connections to him so enjoy these poems and give them a listen Hello, I'm Richie Interjet, and this is Shaking Aesop, and it starts with a prop that I have neglected to bring with me today. <laughs> so you have to imagine it. And it's a string that snapped. It's a, met- uh, a string that snapped. How apt a metaphor for this paucity of joined-up thoughts. Exhaust acoustic force of this distorted Chaucer to my voice's hoarse, from spilling saline tales of winds and fails, and rhymes in pairs found down amongst the shale. They pale, they stop. Words closely cropped, I'm shaking Aesop from the rafters, brothers grimly mourning after, smothered dimly stifled laughter. And after dawn, the frog prince mincing, wincing at the sight of crazed mob lynching, rumble stiltskin swinging from a lamppost singing, lyrics written whilst out on lager binging, a twinge of guilt, singeing winning tortoise in the boozer, rehypnol making witless hair a loser, there in dingy alleyway a snooze. While bruised, Prince Charming throwing up all down his tunic, beatbox blaring gingerbread house music, buy a gram of fairy dust and use it. Ah, in truth, these are pot shots at the undeserving, swerving towards imagery that's so unnerving. While the dervishes are dancing beneath the stanchions of this castle, meanwhile, burning woods advancing, fashioned from the scars, marring skin another fifty lashes down the line. This dunce inanely killing time. In insanely futile fashion, daily draining life of passion, thrashing out the chords were crashing back to fractured earth, as worthless as the counterfeit doubloons that rest, caked in cheap gold paint in Long John Silver's chest. So try to get the measure of this ersatz pseudo-treasure as the lawyers blame the weather at the next inquest into how balloon met lamppost DUI arrest after Phileas Fogg had failed his breathalyzer test. <laughs> uh, 
I confess, this is a stingy portion served up with a side of mean, an obscene tortured Tolkien in a bath of beans. See this impoverished hobbit, like the petrol bomb and lob it, fight police orcs trying to stop it. Dropped in choky chains of steel, forfeit all right of appeal, given life by judge decree, the charge? Mordor in the first degree. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so as I rage, my audiences groan, while between the pages of this sordid tome, past it Gandalf languishes in old folks' home, the Shire Defence League shouting racist slogans through a megaphone, Elves go home! The witch drops ease in nation, and it's thick and green foundation, as the bad wolf's new vocation, as a city banker trading all the millions his shares made him. So please suggest an ending, not this token gesture fending off this chronic overspending, economic crash impending. When all you bastards care about is blending in, not standing up to all the troops descending in, in the pit descending scale on violin, bringing tears to eyes to strains of rising strings. But the music's out of time as soon as it begins. Conductor head in hands, he knows he cannot win, and in amongst the thin, the sudden thunderclap, baton poised before the maddening collapse. Perhaps I should have taken heed and stuck to rap, for the moment I joined in was when my E-string snapped. Next we have Al Peters. Can we give Al Peters a big round of applause? He's just getting his glasses and his... his what has he got there? He's got a... Oh, a, a, a fuck off Trump. Yeah, there we are. I would expect nothing less. There we go. Extra round of applause for that. <laughs> For those who can't, it says fuck off Trump, you tweety twat. I'll second that. Yes, uh, I'm quite emotional about this for a couple of reasons. Um, to see him standing at the tomb of the unknown soldier, where my father's father is an unknown soldier, and that my father was in the D-Day landings. Um, and to see someone who was a draft dodger and a liar, it was just so incompre incomprehensible for me to really uh, give any kind of feeling of gratitude to, towards him. I would to the American troops, yes, but not to a man like that. And I'm not afraid to stand up and be counted. And what I would say is this, I was very proud of Prince Harry, because after what he said about Meghan, he just kept in the background, out the way. Not like all the others falling in front of him, falling down. Anyway, this is, um, every time I get a subject that uh, upsets me, I get the blues in Rats Alley. So I always start with the blues in Rats Alley, where the dead men rattle their bones. <laughs> I say, fuck off, Trump, leave our country alone. I said, fuck off, Trump, leave our country alone. Why I get the blues in Rat Sally on the dead men, they start rattling their bones, is because Donald Trump is being welcomed to our shores, invited by the Tories. A special relationship to quota royal. My ass. <laughs> the draft dodge is an insult to those who lost their lives fighting for our freedom on the D-Day landings on Normandy shores. Especially as my father's father remains an unknown soldier and to see him standing at the tomb of the unknown warrior in Westminster Abbey makes my blood boil. 
He's meeting the Queen. Oh, now, how truly obscene. She'll need a suit of armour in case he decides to grab her by her corgis. <laughs> he lies continually, saying he doesn't interfere in another country's democratic political process while he endorses and licks the arses of Boris and Farage. And, and they lick his, muck-spreading fake news by the bucket load and tweeting like a twat. <laughs> he wants to privatise the NHS forcing us to take out private American insurance, AIG in brackets by the way, and supply us with chlorinated, contaminated chicken. Oh, lovely. <laughs> he wants to start another war in the Middle East with his droopy moustache neocon Nate Bolton, who was the prime instigator of that fiasco known as the Iraq War, imposing sanctions on those who do not agree and destroying nuclear proliferation treaties because there's money to be made from selling weapons and exploiting oil and resources. He denies climate change and endorses the continued use of fossil fuel. I wish he would just frack off and take the US companies exploiting our resources with him. He wants to build walls in Mexico and Palestine so they can prosecute the law of divide and rule instead of promoting love, peace and harmony destroying any concept of authority that promotes human rights and equality for all. But I will say one thing, that the only British Prime Minister who had the guts to tell an American President that British troops will not be going to Vietnam was Harold Wilson, Labour Prime Minister. And he's the only Prime Minister who has gone like that to the Yanks. And what did they do? They put 10 down in street and branded him as a communist. And also another thing, he did other things as well. But all the other British Lickspittle and PMs always say, how high shall I jump, Mr. President? How high? But I say, I say good to you, Jeremy Corbyn and Sadiq Khan for not attending the Royal Banquet. And if I were Prince Harry, I'd introduce the pompous bastard to the heightened kiss. Does anyone out there know what the height and kiss is? For <laughs> <laughs> what he said about his wife, Megan. So here's my message to, to you, Trump. You ignorant, arrogant, racist, narcissistic piece of shit. Just fuck off, Trump, and leave our country alone. Everybody now, fuck off, Trump, and leave our country alone. Come on now, come on. I say, fuck off, Trump, and leave our country alone. Everybody now, one, two, three, four. Fuck off, Trump, and leave our country alone. I've never done this before, oh, and I've only been writing poems for a bit. Probably be crap because everyone's so amazing. But no. they that's my mum. Picture my mum when she was young, and um, I wrote this because um, she's got dementia. Ooh. So, and it's a little bit about my granddaughter, who is lovely with her, and she's a kid. And kids are great, and they're just so good. So. She doesn't get irritated or anything. So 
so this is it my gran's got dementia Sophia my dear where's my socks they're beneath your bed in the Christmas box what are you sure who put them there there's a pixie in this house I do despair got them good now where are my keys Sophia Sophia can you help me please no probs gran here they are in the door what are you sure I looked there before oh now where are we going let me think we're off to the shops gran to buy something pink what why is that what on earth do you mean to wear at the party for Eric and Jean Eric and Jean who on earth are they they're your neighbours gran they got married today married today Ooh, how could I forget oh thank you Sophia my helpful pet now how about a nice cup of tea and a tea cake each for you and me that's nice gran but we have to go out Sophia what on earth are you talking about I've just sat down after washing that floor gran I did that for you before now come on grab your coat we're off to the park get my coat it'll soon be dark but Gran, it's light, it's half past ten. Really? Oh, okay, let's have breakfast then. You did, remember you had tea and toast. Then watched the news and read the post. Read the post? I don't remember that. Gran, would you be wearing your nice veiled hat? Wear my hat? I wore that, when, was, the last time I wore that was in 54. Wow, that's cool. What was that date? That was when Grandad proposed at my gate. Oh, that's nice. Do you miss him? Every day, Soph. I love my gym. Now, what were you saying? Pink something or other. You can be a bit bossy, just like your mother. Okay, now hunt around and find my key while I make us a nice pot of tea. So next we have the brilliant Becky interviewing the brilliant Ben Norris from Nottingham this month's headliner. Here we go. Uh, hi there, this is a, the, a Lovely Word podcast. As usual, we have a little interview with our headliner. This time around, it's the amazing Ben Norris. Um, he's going to be doing some poems for us tonight. So I thought I'd just ask him a few questions about what he does. Um, Alex said, well, I'm up into this question, but I think I'm just going to go straight to it. How did you end up being Ben Archer on the Archers? <laughs> <laughs> warm up into the question it's a sensitive area no 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 um, disappointingly um, trodden path of being invited to go in for an audition going in for an audition doing the audition being offered the part but got the audition I think because my old drama school radio teacher was asked if she could recommend people and so I think I got it a few of us from Royal Welsh were there. Oh, wonderful! Um, in the audition room because they were casting two new young male characters at the same time. So I think they wrote to a few drama schools or a few teachers that they that they know produce decent students because they were casting quite young. Yeah. So they couldn't necessarily draw on their like pool of I don't know older adult actors that they know. So so yeah. Um, so it came through Marilyn, I should name her because she's a legend, Marilyn DeCant. <laughs> Thank you, Marilyn. And then, yeah, just, just went into Birmingham. We did a sort of day-long audition where we read with each of the prospective other male characters and then someone from the existing cast came in and like read scenes with us mm. as well. Like, so my dad, my fictional dad, came in and read scenes with me. It was really lovely. It's like the best audition experience I've probably ever had. 
because when you do radio you just do you're just in the studio mm. with the mic so you're not it's not like doing a theatre audition but in a rehearsal room in front of a table and two people you know you are basically doing what will be the actual job so you, you kind of forget what you can forget it's an audition you can just relax into it a bit more yeah just feel like you're at work it was it was nice and they were bloody lovely so yeah but it's not that that interesting it's not that interesting no. oh well so they edit all of it out <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our um, people who come down to our nights um have like mixed feelings about slams and I know that you've done a few and been mm. quite successful at them so I wondered if you had any thoughts on like pros and cons of poetry slams I have many thoughts yeah, yeah. I would share their mixed feelings yeah. mixed feelings <laughs> is I think a really really succinct way of describing how I feel about slams also they have been really useful for me and I don't mean that to sound so clinical that word but like they're brilliant as platforms for younger poets or emerging poets, I don't just want to say younger, anyone who's sort of early on in their career, because it's essentially an open mic format, but with a more sexy framework, so you can draw much bigger audiences. I doubt that the BBC Slam would be in, in the main big blue tent in Edinburgh with 400 people selling out every year if it was just called like BBC Open Mic Poetry Showcase or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So there is definitely something about competition that attracts people both on the performance and on the audience side and that can be really useful. It can also make you prepare in a way that you perhaps wouldn't prepare for a gig in terms of like, you know, putting time in and, and really caring about it. But it can make you care too much and you, you, can, you can set way too much stall by yeah the result of it and uh, what is at the end of the day three judges or two judges or one judge or even just an audience's arbitrary response to a piece well not arbitrary response but uh, uh, you know arbitrary numerical factors all that business I think um, America has gone a funny way in that there's a whole sort of slam slams like a genre as well as a format and would you say that's the way it is here in the UK, that it's a genre, or do you think it's a bit more open than that? I slightly resist it as a genre. If I ever, I've got to the point now, and normally I would just sort of smile and ignore it, but now if, if I ever find myself being described in, um, you know, like programme copy or festival brochures or whatever as like doing a slam performance, I, I tend to get in touch with them and be like, that's not, that's not true. Because you, could, you, could, you wouldn't say... Um, Usain Bolt will be doing a 100 metre Olympic final for us this evening you can say he's going to be sprinting yeah. and he has competed in the Olympic sprint final before but like you can't do an Olympic sprint final in, yeah. a, in an event that is not that yeah. so I think yeah to say slam when you mean performance poetry is yeah. dangerous because it implies it's going to be a particular type of poem people write poems that tend to do better at slams and that's where you get into sort of quite cynical territory you can reverse engineer these things and you can really tell a mile off when a poem's been written for a slam Ten, they can be not always but quite sort of virtue signally or quite kind of like whose trauma is bigger than who yeah. and, and that is not to say that those poems aren't extremely important they are um, but I think it's I think it is worrying when the sort of um sole arbiter of quality is how horrible something was for someone yeah and we yeah. have to be able to have a conversation about um 
format and content separately yeah and we have to be able to critique poems that are about difficult things that aren't that don't amount to a critique of the experience yeah if that makes sense but that's a really nuanced conversation that a lot of people have I feel like we're only just at the point where we're starting to have that but I think there are some exciting things happening well I know there are some exciting things happening both publicly and behind the scenes in the spoken word world and the poetry world in general because I don't even really like the page stage divide so much yeah. Um, it's quite the, an interesting one, isn't it? On. Like I a... could talk for a long time about yeah. it, so stop me. But yeah, <laughs> I have mixed feelings too. There was like a, an article written by the, was it the Literary Review? About Holly McNish's poetry collection. It was the PN Review. The PN Review. Yeah, yeah. And that was interesting from both sides because she wrote a response as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I read them both, yeah. Page friends and performance friends who felt very differently about both of those things. Mm. I think generally people thought that article was a bit snobby about Holly, but yeah. at the same time, it's a shame it's snobby about you. I thought she sort of. I thought there was an interesting conversation to be had there, yeah, definitely. but then she she sort of resorted to resorted resorted to comparisons that resulted in the whole conversation just being about. I th- I can't believe she's compared Holly McNish to Donald Trump and Nigel Farage and, yeah. and populism, <laughs> yeah. and actually she sort of like flattened her own her own argument yeah where where and we we can have a conversation about the worth of publishing things on the page that were primarily written for performance yeah which is not to say that that's what plum is no but do you know what i mean like i think i think just to say that anyone who wants to talk about whether all spoken word deserves to be in a book because that's not necessarily where it was imagined for, just as no. not all page poems would read very well, or not all certainly not all page poets can read very well yeah. performance wise. I think there's but gotta be a crossover. I think Definitely poetry, po- poetry is gonna in my opinion, humble <laughs> uh, opinion, change format. And so I think multimedia is probably gonna change that. You're gonna be able to have almost like a performance of page poetry because you could have videos, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like an exploration of things in an artistic way you couldn't do before. Similarly with um, performance poetry, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what gets published. And it's so interesting. I went to a Waterstones today in Birkenhead and there was a spoken word section and a poetry section. Amazing. So it was like... So I don't can know where it's going to go. Can you send me a picture of what's of, of that those shelves if you're in there again? I'd be <laughs> yeah. really interested to see what they've put in there. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. And I think we just the whole conversation needs to just become a bit more nuanced and a bit more sophisticated. There's still a lot of gatekeeping. And nobody yeah. in, say, the classical music world is listening to, say, heavy metal or no. house and saying, that's not music. They might say, that's not for me, mm. but they're not saying that's not music. And I think there's still people in the poetry world that are trying to say, that's not poetry. Yeah. Whereas they're allowed to just not like it. It, yeah, but it's, it, yeah. it's still allowed to exist and yeah. I think yeah you wouldn't pick up a play text and think that you were watching the play no, and exactly. if that's what spoken word publication is as a sort of um, an artifact of the thing that can be taken away from the gig yeah. um, and, and the experience remembered and relived in that respect but it's not the same it's not the primary medium that's not no. a bad thing people yeah. just need to know what they're receiving and how to receive it but that, that's the kind of thing that comes with a movement being around for a long time and maturing and although obviously spoken word is as old as time in terms of this sort of new era of spoken word it, we're still in our infancy really so yeah on the upward curve though which uh, is yeah and that's what I mean I hope so it's a really exciting time to be doing it to be a part of it 
Wow, well, I can't wait to hear you read. Anyway, I better stop it there because we've gone on a bit long. But um, thank you very much no, thank for speaking you. with me today. Okay, so um, this is uh, Ben's poem that he did in the night. One of the many. Um, of course, he did more than one. Um, <laughs> uh, and he read from his pamphlet, which is about his um, parents' divorce. And this is a really nice, interesting poem about his um, dad's partner. Come on, Ben. There's a wooden plaque on the spare room wardrobe door that says, friends are like stars. You don't need to see them to know they're there. But it really fucking helps, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm grateful that you said I could live with you. Even though I won't, it's nice to know I could. It cost you a lot to say that, I could tell. Our love has to find a practical valve to escape from. Perhaps because I'm not your son, or just that we are bad at it. Perhaps this is the only way we can love. Can I post you a present for Dad to wrap? Can I store all my shit in your shed? Always yes. Can I help you write the description for a particularly sophisticated pair of secateurs you want to sell on eBay, and then sell them on eBay? Yeah, of course, babe. Your decorations are tasteless and your dog is enormous and every room is either too hot or too cold. You can see for miles here, but there is nothing to look at. Lincolnshire is a famously flat county. There was a time I couldn't sleep in the spare room because your clothes were on the bed. And this was non-negotiable. You are proud of having found the only ethnic minority dentist in Boston, Lincolnshire. Statistically the most racist town in Britain, if you take Brexit as a measure of racism. Which, let's be honest, we all do. Not that you were looking. I don't know how you voted in the referendum, and I'm not going to ask. You hate all Geordies because your ex-husband's new wife has a Geordie accent, so I'm not confident. You drive a cobalt blue Subaru Impreza 40 years too young for you with a personalised number plate of your old married name. True story. You ask me questions about my life you genuinely want to hear the answers to, even though you know the answers might be things you don't really understand, have no real interest in, or actively dislike. You touch my dad's back as if he is a boy in his early to mid-twenties and you are a girl in your early to mid-twenties and you've taken him home to meet your parents and your parents have just left for half an hour and you're allowed to put your hands on him properly for the first time. It's so nice. I never knew he had this joy in him. You have shown me a father I'd only ever fantasised about. Not so much the sculptor chipping away, revealing the form within the trunk, but more the exhibition guide saying, look, he has always been here, wanting to be touched, deserving to be loved. And all the stories I told myself about what a man is fall away, just leaves on the line of what a person is. And there's a train coming. And luckily you have one of those massive petrol leaf blowers in the shed, probably off eBay. This is both a metaphor and literally true. Nice one, Sue. I like watching you both wash up. Neither of you thought you would have a second chance. You don't have unlimited broadband, but I can sleep naked here now. And sometimes hang my clothes up in the wardrobe when I stay.
one of the exciting things that's happened um, since we were last on air is that we successfully um, secured a Arts Council England bid, Yay. I believe it's officially known as. England. England. Um, to do um, some arts development work in the Liverpool City region. So this is just going to be mainly workshops and advice and networks built from the Everyman Theatre and a lovely word. Um, I'm being mentored by someone from Apples and Snakes, which is a national organisation, and she's doing some helpful stuff with guiding me on how to run a large arts development program like that which is great um and really it will consist of monthly um workshops scratch workshops called mersey word um and they will basically be two and a half hours where by the beginning um people will warm up um, and then they will read a poem out and everyone will feedback in a non-judgmental space and then they'll try it again and then um, hopefully improve after the feedback's given. In poetry, we don't often get the chance to really give ourselves proper non-judgmental, um, critical fee- and constructive feedback. Um, so it's a real exercise and everyone building their critical analysis skills in terms of quality of poetry. And... And also um, developing as poets as well. So not so much with the writing, but with the development. There will be some workshops additional to that, that focus on writing, run by um, headliners that we have in from uh, from outside the city and sometimes from inside the city as well. Um, they might be on something like political writing and poetry, on street performance, on... Um, on structure and on slam or on slam poetry or something like that just as topic ideas they will overlap with the everyman's new writing team's schedules as well um, and we'll be doing those in association with the new works team so there'll usually be a guest workshop leader and they'll be very exciting to to attend and and go on i certainly will be attending them myself um apart from that (laughs) exciting and apart from that we'll be building a network around the uk with other nights and doing exciting things like exchanges and everything like that and it gives us a bit of space and time to actually properly devise and implement and carry out those exchanges and other things the first one that i've sorted out already is with the um, unusual arts sourcing company where we're going to be doing some work with them and Liverpool Sound City um, to secure some paid headline slots at Sound City next year. So that's one of the things that will come out of the end of that. That's if you're on the programme. So yeah. I think so. it's amazing that like because lots of cities are starting to kind of do things to support poets now and it's really nice for a lovely word and everyone to be part of doing that in Liverpool because there's so many good poets out there it'd be a shame if they kind of got lost in the national scene where really want to promote them in that scene and it's really great for poets from liverpool to be going outside the city and headlining elsewhere it was in fact in conversation with our headliner this month ben norris um where he said uh, that actually he really benefited as in his development from being from nottingham and going to other places because he meant he had the identity of nottingham um, and the Midlands, but um, he was able to then be booked by other nights more extensively, say, for instance, in London, and really take advantage of that. So there's a whole London and Midlands scene that people from Liverpool can really take advantage of, as well as the Manchester scene as well. Yeah. So there's a lot um, to take advantage of and go and find, and hopefully we'll be able to help with that. And that is 
a bit of seriousness <laughs> in the podcast. Ooh. But yeah, email me. <laughs> So now we have our traditional segment. <laughs> yes, traditional segment. Uh, called Rap or Poem. And hold for the jingle. Rap. Poem. Poet. Rap or Poem. Rap or Poem. Is a rap guy or art though a poem? Well, I guess we'll find out then, won't we? Oh, what a lovely jingle. So, um, I'm going to start with this one. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches on the soul and sings a tune without words and never stops at all. I know this poem. It's a poem. It's definitely a poem. It's Hope the Thing is Feathers by Emily Dickinson. Correct. Ding, ding. Ooh, I could have had that ding, ding. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had that as a rap. But anyway... Mm. Bloody hell. Okay. I've I got... know that one, sorry, because it's a very beautiful poem about depression. Yeah, I love Emily Dickinson. Yeah. I might have had a bit of a rough week, so you might you might hear that <laughs> inside my selections for today. So I've got this one. I'm so sick and tired of the Photoshop. Give me something natural. I'm so sick and tired of the Photoshop. That's like a rap. It's like Nicki Minaj or... or... Yeah, it definitely sounds like a rap, but... Oh, Lady Gaga? Maybe it's a sign that more poets should reference Photoshop. Maybe it's... It's a rapper poem, guys. Luke Wright? It's not Luke Wright. It's a rapper. Uh, I think a male rapper. I'm so tired of the Photoshop. I feel like I've heard that. I feel like it's Lil' Kim. Or... That should be our final answer. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it is a rap, you are correct, but it is Kendrick Lamar. Ah... I'm so as a photoshop. Give me something natural like the Adderall shot. Yeah, I don't know. We're not very good rappers here. Okay, my Adidas walk through concert doors and roam all over Colosseum floors. That was Lord Byron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Um, That. My anaconda don't. My anaconda don't. My anaconda don't. My added, you just don't. No, it's not that, is it? It's not that. It's a rap. Is it Nicki Minaj? No. Uh. It is a rap, though. So ding ding for that. Do you want to know who it is? Yep. Run DMC. Really? God, they love Mm. Adidas, don't they? Yeah, do you love Adidas? They really do. That's their thing. Adidas or Adidas? Who knows? Poet or rap? Write in. (laughs) (laughs) Write in with your answer on a postcard. Okay, my mother sacrificed her dreams so I could dream. Oh, is it Tupac? I'm gonna say rap. I'm gonna say Tupac. I'm gonna say poem. I'm gonna say lems to say. (laughs) It is a poem and it is rupee code. No, so I get one point. You get one point. I haven't really been counting the points. Oh, I like like rupee code. I thought we were a team. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well there's no competition if we're oh. oh well maybe we are maybe we're playing the listener uh, I am not cruel just truthful the eye of a little god four cornered is it, that a poem is it the rapper Lady Leisha actually Alex is correct this time ah. it's a poem and it is Sylvia Plath no way and it's from a poem called Mirror hmm okay okay 
I think I've left myself with no option but to read this one and you're going to get it. Okay. We have gone a nice... Mm. What about this one, actually? I got this killer up inside of me. I can't talk to my mother, so I talk to my diary. That's definitely a rap. Um... Definitely a rap. Yeah, it's a rap. I want to say it's a female rapper. It's not a female I know you like to pick a female. Okay, it's not not a female female rapper. rapper. This is like Guess Who now. It's really... Close all the rappers. I don't know if your guys are female. (laughs) (laughs) Should I just tell you who that one is? Yeah. That's Scarface. Oh, Um, I don't know who that is. No. And it's a classic. And then, um, yeah, that's it. The other one you would just get because it's... it's, I'll read it. I need some money. I need a jet. I need some room for my legs. (laughs) Ah, oh, that is Lord Byron. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's not Lord Byron. Alfred Tennyson. No. I believe it is the well-established poet Cardi B. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about Cardi B. Yeah, that one is a song called Money, where she says, I don't really need the D, I need the money. Like that. Money. That one. Yeah. Well done, guys. Wrap up poem. Thank who, you. Who wins? Um... I think it was Even Stevens this time. Between us and the listener. Even yes. Stevens. Yeah. Listener, yeah. you actually lost. Loser. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you've stuck with us for the full podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you listening. And don't worry, we know when you're listening, we know when you're not. Um, so um, keep listening. Um, like and subscribe uh, come along to a lovely word uh, night on the 4th of July the next one is come along to the arts development program if you'd like um, we might start making these podcasts um, full of little tidbits of advice um, to improve your poetic practice um, or we might keep them sillier and uh, keep them away from anything too sensible uh, but regardless um, stay safe Enjoy your poem. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.